Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. During the summer of 2022, we are exploring areas of justice, including celebrating Pride Sunday, Juneteenth, talking about patriotism and Christian nationalism, childhood hunger, global warming, and violence. Happy Pride Month, Happy Pride Sunday. On Saturday, June 18th, a group from Ridgewood will be walking in the Kentuckiana Pride Parade. If you'd like to join us, you can email me, Molly, at molly at ridgewoodlovel.org. If you are listening to this podcast during the week of June 12th, please remember that we will be worshiping at Amazing Grace Community of Faith at 8002 Terry Road on Sunday, June 19th in honor of Juneteenth. You are welcome to meet in the Ridgewood parking lot around 1045 and we will carpool over together. On Sunday, June 12th, we kicked off our Summer Justice series by welcoming our very own worship leader, Stu Perry, into the pulpit. From Mark, chapter 5, 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God. Do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw demonic saw the demonic sitting there, clothed in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and now they were afraid. 
Those who had seen what had happened to the demonic and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim at the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Good morning, Ridgewood. <laughs> My name is Stuart Perry. I am the worship leader here. Molly and I have decided to swap places today. And um, I am so excited to be able to share with you. I am gay. <laughs> Man. <laughs> And let me tell you, um, I don't know if you can hear stuck, man, let me, you're about to find out a lot about me, that I'm typically a very tough guy, um, but uh, the reason Stark was barking in the back and stuff is, as we were singing some of those songs, I was just thinking how amazing of a place that I can be here. And I can stand on this stage and I can say, I'm gay. <laughs> Man, whew. it feels so awesome. And Ridgewood, you all have been stark. I know, get your place down. Um, you all have been so just welcoming to uh, me and Stark and even when he makes noises and uh, chirps and barks and all that stuff and farts and everything <laughs> you guys are just totally cool with him so thank you so much just for your welcoming attitude towards us um, and I just am so excited to be able to share with you what I think uh, I know that God has laid on my heart today I wanted to start just really quick by by showing you what I think the whole reason for pride is, okay? So if you'll go ahead and go to my first uh, slide there. Let's see. Okay, so here's what it says. Gay pride was not born of a need to celebrate being gay. As a matter of fact, we're great at throwing parties. So don't, don't even try me. I, I can throw down. I can dance. I can, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm good with all that. But our right to exist without persecution so instead of wondering why there isn't a straight pride movement, be thankful you don't need one. <laughs> and that is what's so amazing about this place is we go into those communities. We go into those places where so many other people have said these people don't have a right to be here or these people might not have a place at the table of God. This congregation, this church chooses to go to those places. And we celebrate all of those people, all those people that there are movements for, all those people that have felt so left out. This place celebrates those types of people. Um, I wanted to share some of my story with you. And so uh, in order to do that, we're going to go back to when I was very young. There were three things that I always wanted to be. I always wanted to be a dad. I always wanted to be a professional wrestler. And I always wanted to be Batman. 
<laughs> those, those were my three. Um, I always wanted to be a dad, but there's a problem. I was terrible with girls, <laughs> obviously. Um, and actually, um, let me, uh, actually, I'll, I'll tell that part later. But um, so I signed up for eHarmony. My brother found his wife on eHarmony. Stark down, down, good boy. Yep. I know you're doing so good, buddy. He says, you're not usually doing this. <laughs> um, I signed up for eHarmony. My brother met his wife on eHarmony and I was like, well, if anywhere's going to find it, it's the internet, right? There's an algorithm. So if there's any girl for me at all, um, I filled out the eHarmony test. I've actually done it three times now as uh, seeking a female. This was back before I came out, all that stuff. And this is the thing that popped up. It says eHarmony is unable to match you at this time. Did you know? Did you know you can get rejected from eHarmony? You can get rejected. They can tell you like there's nobody for you. It says eHarmony is based upon a complex matching system algorithm uh, developed through I'm going to read it back here. Developed through extensive research with married couples. One of the requirements for successful matching is that participants to fall within certain defined profiles. If we find that we will not be able to match a user using these profiles, we feel it is only fair to inform them early in the process. eHarmony knew I was gay before I was ready to come to terms with it. <laughs> the algorithm works. <laughs> so I always wanted to be a dad, but I was terrible, terrible, terrible with girls. I always wanted to be a professional wrestler, um, but I was always terrible at sports. So, so bad. As a matter of fact, I struck out in T-ball. T-ball, okay? I'm not sure if you know what that is, but it's a ball on a tee. And so uh, I walked out and I took a swing and it was... And I completely missed, just totally missed the ball, everything. The second one, I hit... And it hit the tee, and the ball fell to the ground. And I was like, shoot, I've only got one left. <laughs> like, and I'm this little kid. So what I did is I walked out, and I, like, tapped my shoes off with the bat. I'm like, all right, I got this one. And I'm even, like, calling it for the fences. And I'm like, yeah, come on. What's, like, as if, as if any child has ever hit a home run in T-ball. And I whoosh, totally missed again. And the umpire looked at my coach and was like, like, this has never happened before. Like, what's going on? And uh, so my coach walks out, and the umpire and my coach have a talk, and it was like, uh, can he have one more swing? And the umpire was like, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess, like, we don't want any kid to feel left out. And so I swung again. I hit the tee, and the ball fell to the ground. And the umpire goes, you have to go back to your dugout now. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> but I would still play with these action figures. I've got some of my... WWF action figures here. I've got um, Billy Gunn, Scotty Too Hotty, uh, Mankind McFoley. I've got uh, 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 Bob Holly, and then I've got Al Snow. And Al Snow actually means a whole lot to me. So I've got him separate over here. Um, but I would still play with those action figures, even though I didn't think that I could ever become a wrestler or anything like that. I wanted to do it. And then finally, I said that I wanted to be Batman. And that was because at Kentucky Kingdom, back when I was a kid, they used to have this Batman stunt show that was absolutely, yes, I see you nodding your head. You're like, yes, it was amazing. Batman would ride on a dirt bike and shoot off this stuff. Flames would shoot in the air and all that. I was like, I'm going to be Batman. That's going to be me. And I didn't know how I was going to make that happen, but I knew that one day I was going to be Batman. But I decided that if I couldn't do all of those things right then, that I would, I would find something uh, to bury myself in. And so what I did is I started working at a church. I was um, 11 years old when I began speaking at churches. 
Um, and it was, I had some amazing mentors who said, this kid says he wants to speak. Should we let him try it? And everybody said, yeah, let's, let's let him give it a go. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no shame in it. Let's just give it a try. So at, at age 11, I began speaking and I would attend three services of church every single weekend, every single weekend. We had a Saturday night service, two Sunday morning services every single weekend. I was at every single service. In the seventh grade, I committed my life to full-time ministry. I actually stepped forward at a camp and said, uh, this is what I want to do with my entire life. And then at age 16, I actually became in charge of a very large children's ministry. We had about a thousand uh, uh, elementary school students, and they left it to me, a 16-year-old, to run this program. And then I was also in charge of middle school and high school worship, which was about 500 students. And that's when I was age 16. At age 18, I became full-time at a church, and I worked there for several years. And they knew that I was gay. We had talked about it and all that kind of thing, but it was kind of like, well, you're not dating anybody. It's not important. We just won't mention it to the church. <laughs> like, you're, you're good at speaking, and so let's just, like, forget that until it becomes something. So uh, I, I did that, and then at age 25, I walked away from that um, because I realized that I love helping people with their problems. And now I'm a child therapist. I absolutely love, love, love helping kids with their problems and helping them through whatever situations might be going on. But I found that church people are typically the last that will share with you that they have a problem. Has anybody ever felt that before? <laughs> like, uh, so I wanted to help people with problems, but I was running into this like blockade of, oh, we're good. We're here on Sundays, right? Like there are no problems here. And I didn't want that. I wanted to be able to dive in and really help people. Now, I had committed my whole life and every waking moment, really every waking moment, to spreading the love of Jesus. So imagine my surprise when I came out publicly, and these were some of the messages that I got. Happy belated birthday. It starts off really nice, right? <laughs> Happy belated birthday. So sorry we forgot. I've known for weeks about your homosexual lifestyle, and it breaks my heart. I saw your video coming out to tell everyone, and want you to know I don't disown you. I also know this is not God's will for you. He loves you, I love you, but that doesn't mean this is right or doesn't break our hearts. Broken heart emoji, broken heart emoji. All the best to you, Stu. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> right? Here's another one. Just saw your video. Honestly, I don't know what to think. How do you justify what the Bible says about homosexuality and say you're a Christian? I'm trying to understand. It's like instead of crushing the demons in and through the power of Christ, you embrace it. That's not what a Christian does. What about others that have been gay and God showed them they were wrong? I'm just wondering. <laughs> Here's another one. Stu, I've thought for a long time about what to say to your video coming out. You need to understand that this declaration not only... <laughs> ruins your witness for the future, but has forever put a stain on the witness you've had up to this point. I'll continue to pray that you will see what God really wants for your life, because this isn't it. <laughs> Thank you. 
And then I saw this post this year. <laughs> this one I actually did laugh out loud out. Okay, now look. Look at this. Here's what they've done. They've taken Pride Month, and here's what it says. A little hint at what dwells at the heart of Pride Month. <laughs> okay? And it starts with Pride Month, and then as you can see, it kind of grades everything, and then it says demon <laughs> at the bottom. The Bible says the prince of devils of the prince of devils, that he is a king over all the children of pride. And I was like, I don't think that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Not the same kind of pride, but that's all good. Like, whatever. Um, these people, without any conversation, were telling me what they somehow knew to be true of me, that I was unworthy. Have you ever been on either side of that? Have you been on the receiving end of that? where uh, someone pushed you away from the church or from God altogether because people claimed to know your identity and God's plan for you better than you and God know your plan for you? Or have you ever been one who did the pushing? Either in person or in messages or by becoming a keyboard warrior for the Lord. And maybe your intentions were good. There's that old saying, I don't want to love them straight to hell. So maybe your intentions were good, but now you're looking back and you feel like you did a lot more to push away than to draw people close. People messed with my entire idea of who I was and what I could be without taking the time to get to know me. And I wonder what this man called Legion, what, what his aspirations were before this possession <laughs> What did he want to do? What did he grow up? I'm sure he didn't wake up one day and he's like, I really hope I get possessed. <laughs> I really hope that happens to me. That wasn't his, his dream. Did he want to be a teacher? Did he, want to, uh, did he want to be a fisherman? Did he want to be a carpenter? What did he want to do? Did he want to be a, a priest? It, he could have wanted to be so many different things. And then this happened. Now, let me say that today our words for this may be different. There's... Uh, Scholars that say that maybe what this man was dealing with is what we would call mental illness today. And that he was just so out of hand due to this mental illness. But whatever you want to call it, this man had aspirations. This man had dreams. This man had things that he wanted to do before he was taken over by those demons. Let's talk for just a moment about the progression from man to demoniac. Uh, I am a professional wrestler. I actually work for OVW Wrestling. It is the place where John Cena, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar, Batista, CM Punk, Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, The Big Show, Mark Henry, all those people and so, so many more started their careers at OVW where I wrestle. I just wrestled last night in Moorhead, Kentucky, was on my way back last night, um, and I get to wrestle. So I, one of my dreams came true, right? But I have been a few different characters. And if you'll go ahead and go to my next slide, I'll show you um, who those people are. So the one on the left, that is Reverend Stu, the pastor of disaster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the one on the right, that's who I am now. Uh, his name is Amon. And uh, he is Amon, the demon prince of hell. <laughs> that's my, if you can imagine, that is my character now. And Actually, Amon is based on the character of Legion. I've got a tattoo on my arm of the character Legion. Legion, to me, is the most terrifying and coolest of all of the Bible stories. So I based my wrestling character on uh, Legion. And I also wanted to show you just a little 
clip of what I get to do each week. And so if you'll check out, um, yeah, go ahead and you might have to turn the volume. Bricks just creepy from that point forward. Um, so that is my character. And I, I want to talk again just about what caused that change from Reverend Stu to Amon. Um, you know, when, when I got all those messages, I was actually uh, Reverend Stu at the time, the pastor of disaster. And I started to uh, get all these messages that were like, hey, this is not what you're supposed to be doing with your life. This is not it. And I started to think, you know what? If that's what you're going to say of me, I'll show you what I can be. Because if you treat someone like a demon for long enough, don't be surprised when they start to act like one. Let me say that again. If you treat someone like a demon long enough, don't be surprised when they start to act like one. We create this spiral of treating someone poorly, then they start to live up to our expectations and then we call ourselves correct that we knew all along who they really were, what they really were up to, all of that. And then we tell ourselves that we were right when it was really us that created this problem. Because if you treat someone like a demon long enough, don't be surprised when they start to act like one. I see it all the time in the ways of uh, the people who bring their kids in to me to do therapy. Step one, you notice you're different. Step two, people notice you're different. Step three, people tell you that different is bad. Step four, people treat you like you're bad because you're different and they're afraid. Step five, you feel bad. Step six, you start to believe you must be bad. And step seven, you start to be bad because deep down, all that you think that you are anymore is bad. But if someone had disrupted that continuum at any point, maybe that person could start to realize, I'm not bad. This is not who I am. I don't have to live up to their expectations because that's not who I am. 
after I came out, I would get messages. I would get glances and I would even just be ignored in ways that made me feel so unlovable. And I felt so alone. This man called Legion would hide away in the caves. I would hide away in my bed at night. And I don't, I'm not sure what Legion, what this man called Legion would cling to. But I know that so many nights late at night when nobody else would tell me that Jesus loved me, I would be laying there and I would just think, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And I have a theory on why Christians kind of create these clobber things. Like, why are there certain things that stick out to them so much? Why is it that issues like abortion and issues facing the LGBTQIA plus community get so much heat, get so much uh, attention in the Christian community? And it's this. If I can get people to focus on something that I don't deal with and won't deal with and my loved ones won't either, they'll never ask what's going on inside of me. It's really easy to hate someone you don't have a relationship with. Who are you keyboard warrioring? Who are you texting? Who you don't really have a relationship with? Are you fighting battles against people that you have no idea what they've been through, what they are going through? Because that creates a world of people who love to place labels and who work so hard to hide their own. Here's the reality of trauma. As a, as a therapist, um, here's my basic definition of trauma. Trauma is experiencing something you were never meant to experience. That's it, period. Experiencing something you were never meant to experience. When God created this world, God created this world perfect. And then sin entered that world. That was something we were never meant to experience. So all of us, because of sin, are now traumatized individuals walking through this world that was not made for us because now we have sin. So we're walking out this world and all the time experiencing all these things that we were never made to experience. We are all traumatized people dealing with other traumatized people. And if we could understand that, if we would let ourselves believe that, if we would let ourselves live that way, then maybe... Maybe we wouldn't treat people like demons because if you treat someone like a demon long enough, don't be surprised when they start to act like one. This man had only been recognized by his affliction and his label. Do you realize his name is not Legion? I was baffled. When I figured that out, Jesus looks at the man. And he says, what is your name? Not what is the name of the thing inside of you? What's the name of the thing that people have told you? What is your name? And the man says back, my name is Legion for we are many. And that's when Jesus got mad. <laughs> Jesus said, that is not your name. 
I don't care what anybody has told you. I don't even care what you believe of yourself. I don't care what's going on inside. I do care, but I don't, I'm not going to label you that way. That is not your name. And I'm here to tell you today that if the world has told you that your name is something, if the world has put a label on you, that is not your name. No matter what anybody says, no matter what you even believe of yourself, Jesus was there to remind this man that that is not his name. It was probably Bobby. (laughs) Who knows? And Jesus offers the same for you. No matter your label, it's not what Jesus sees. It's not what God sees. They only see you as a dearly loved child of God. If it's a negative label, Jesus is here to remind you that is not your name. And if it's, if it's a positive label, Jesus is here to remind you, you don't have to keep living up to that label in order to receive God's love. I am not Amon. The demon prince of hell. And I am also not this other character. Uh, Can you go back one? Yes. Okay. So there's Amon. And then on the other side, I actually own a mental health uh, company called Mr. Stew TV. And this is Mr. Stew with Miss Shamika, who is actually here today. But Mr. Stew, Miss Shamika, and then there's all of our puppet friends. There's Bookworm, Simon, Olivia, and many, many others. And Mr. Stew is like this perfect version of who I am. And Amon is this evil version of who I am. And I'm not either of those things. I'm Stuart Perry. <laughs> and I am a dearly loved child of God. And even when I feel more like Amon, I'm a dearly loved child of God. And even when I feel more like Mr. Stew, Jesus looks at me and says, like, that's all fine and good. Have fun playing with your puppets. (laughs) But you don't have to keep living up to that. You are a dearly loved child of God. If a Christian has ever told you any differently, that message is not from God. And I'm here. That was my timer saying. It's time to wrap it up. If a Christian has ever told you any differently, I am so sorry on behalf of all of us. If you have ever felt like your label was your name, I am so, so sorry. Bridgewood is so, so sorry. And you are welcome here, no matter what label has been placed on you. And if you have ever said anything different to someone, if you've ever labeled them, named them, you're wrong. (laughs) That message is not from God. Can you believe that you are actually loved in return by the very entity that you revere? As I'm wrapping up, people ask me all the time um, how other wrestlers responded when I came out. Because obviously, we're sweaty and not wearing much clothing, right? So when you have to grab people and slam them and all that kind of stuff, they're like, oh, I bet the wrestlers are kind of weird about it. Let me tell you, they were not at all. The wrestlers were absolutely amazing. I showed up, got tons of hugs, proud of you, attaboys, smack on the butt from straight guys. (laughs) All kinds of stuff. Um, And I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about Al Snow. So this is Al Snow. Al Snow, uh, when I was growing up, was one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, If you've ever watched wrestling, he is just awesome. I got to meet Al Snow at an airport before I started wrestling. This is Chubby Stew with Al Snow. And uh, I was at an airport, and I walked up to him, and I said, are you a professional wrestler? And he said, yes. 
And I said, uh, what's your name? And he goes, what's your name? And I said, I'm Stu. And he goes, hey, Stu, I'm Al. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Al Snow. <laughs> and I met him. I got to meet him. I got my picture with him, all that kind of stuff. And um, now Al is my boss. So Al tells me what to do when I go out into the wrestling ring. Yes, we do know beforehand what's about to happen. And he tells me, hey, here's what you're supposed to do. So he is now my boss. I text Al. I call Al. Al is my friend. I started with his action figure. And here I am now. I also won the um, OVW heavyweight title down. I also won the OVW heavyweight title. Will you go to the next slide? I know, buddy. You're my alarm, too. Um, so when I, when I won the, the heavyweight title, I was the first ever openly gay heavyweight champion, and I was also the first ever what's called Grand Slam champion in the history of OVW. That means I've won every title that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've won every title that a guy can win at the company, and I was the first person in the history of the company to do that. I can also say now that Al Snow and I have gotten in fights where I've cussed him out on the telephone. <laughs> we are friends now. <laughs> yeah. But I was treated like a champion, so I became a champion. When I won that heavyweight title, there were some news companies that wanted to do a story. First openly gay heavyweight champion. Uh, isn't that so funny? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they wanted me to do. But um, <laughs> Al pulled me into his office, and here's what he said. He said, I know that there's a lot of news stuff going on about this, but I want you to know that's not the reason we put the title on you. We put the title on you because you're good. Like, you're a good performer. You've earned this. You're a leader in this business. We just thought that it was time for you. And then we kind of like figured out that you were the first openly gay heavyweight champion. But they treated me like a champion, so I became a champion. I'm treated like family there, so I can honestly say that many of those wrestlers have become like family to me. I said I wanted to be a dad, a professional wrestler, and Batman. I am a wrestler. I take care of 60 kids, and there's a doctor, his name is Daniel Siegel, and he says that a parent is anyone doing the crucial work of raising, supporting, and nurturing kids. So if you are here and you don't have children of your own, but you are helping to raise, support, and nurture kids, you are a parent. So now I'm a parent to 60 different kids, all from different moms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I said I wanted to be Batman, and I'm Batman. Let me tell you how that happened. I used to work at a psychiatric facility for kids that have been removed from their homes for all sorts of different reasons, and um, I can deal with pretty much any problem except for poop. If poop happens, poop doesn't happen to me. <laughs> like, that's, that, is, that is a gay part of me, okay? <laughs> like, I don't do poop. So um, I was working in this cottage, and this kid, um, he would smear poop. Um, he would smear poop on the walls and on himself because he had been told his whole life, this is what you are. His, his biological parents actually told him, you are a piece of this. So he would smear it on himself because if you treat someone like a demon for long enough, don't be surprised when they start to act like one. When you tell someone that they are a piece of long enough, don't be surprised when they start to act like one. Well, he had smeared it on himself and they called me and they said, Stu, we really need you to come over here. And I said, I don't know about that. <laughs> and they said, no, Stu, like we really need you over here. So I walked over and he was, uh, he had smeared it inside of his ears. 
So we had to use uh, Q-tips to get it all out and all this kind of stuff. And um, We finally got him all cleaned up, everything. We sent him to bed, and uh, he had to keep his hands above his covers just for safety reasons. There were some other things, other behaviors that he did that were unsafe if his hands were below his covers. So he had to keep his hands above his covers. And I'm watching him, and he's about to go to sleep. And I said, hey, buddy, you got to keep your hands above your covers. And he put, it, he put his hands under the covers. And I said, buddy, you've got to keep your hands above the covers. Please keep your hands above the covers. And he just wouldn't do it. And I said, buddy, I've got to take your covers if you don't keep your hands above the covers. And he put his hands down below the covers again. So I took his covers. He jumped out of bed, flipped over his mattress. This is a six-year-old boy, flipped over his mattress, grabbed a rock that was hidden under his mattress and took it back like he was about to throw it at me. And at this time I had to initiate what's called a safe crisis management hold. So I put him in this hold and I have him down on the ground and uh, his back is on my knee and I'm just holding there. And at that point I realized that he also knows how to throw up on command. So he starts to gag himself and spit it all over me on my face. It's dripping down, literally, all of this. And I've got him held like this. And finally, he just goes, Mr. Stu. I said, yeah, buddy. He goes, you're really strong. <laughs> I said, thanks, buddy. Are you okay now? And he, he, he looked down at the ground, and then he looked up at me, and he said, God hates me, and so do you. And I looked down at that little boy and I said, you do not ever have to worry about that. I, as with this vomit dripping off my face, I love you so much. And God does too. Now, from that point forward, he had some other incidents that would come up and some other things that happened. But for that night, that boy was okay. Because when you treat someone like a demon long enough, don't be surprised when they start to act like one. But when you treat someone like a dearly loved child of God, don't be surprised when they start to act like one. And that is our mission as Christians. Treat everyone you come in contact with like a dearly loved child of God, because no matter what you think of them, no matter what they think of themselves, no matter what anybody else says about them, thinks about them, posts about them, anything, they are dearly loved children of God. And if we would treat people like dearly loved children of God, like the dearly loved children of God that they are, don't be surprised when they start to act like one. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for being a God whose love is bigger than any of us could have ever imagined. You are bigger, cooler, stronger than anything we could have imagined. God, you are absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for being a God who offers that love to us. Even though we don't deserve it, and even when we feel like we don't deserve it, God, you love us. Thank you. Amen. Well, if you are here and uh, maybe you feel like a legion, if that's you, accept this love today. I'll be uh, down front. Stark will be too. <laughs> um, and uh, if you would like to talk or pray, I'll be down front to be able to do that with you. If you feel like you've created some legions in your life, maybe today's the day where you get that person in your mind and you go and you apologize and you start to treat that person like the dearly loved child of God that they are. Show them that legion 
is not their name. 